And this is why, as a church, we observe Good Friday. It's at the heart of the gospel. It's the thing that makes Christianity different from every other system of belief out there. Every other religious system, whatever it is, even some secular self-help Dr. Phil book, right? It's all about what you have to do to get life. It's a new framework of do's and don'ts, a new set of achievements, whatever it is. It's a new list of to-dos that you have to perform to the appropriate degree to reach some goal. Salvation, nirvana, heaven, a good body, whatever it is. And you're, they all leave you with this system that just crushes you. I mean, you have no security. How could you have any security? You never know if you're good enough. I mean, you could never be confident in God's love because it's based on how you're doing. And that ebbs and flows every day. Have a good day, God loves me. Have a bad day, God hates me. Or you become arrogant because you're doing better than others. How holy and righteous I must be. Or you become despondent because you're doing worse than others. But in Christianity, do becomes done, and you're free. You have security because your forgiveness is based on Christ's work, not yours. You never have to go further than the cross than to remember that God loves you. As Paul says a few chapters later, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we got our act together, Christ died for us. And you're humble. You don't need to compare yourself with others to feel good or to see how you're doing. Because your very existence as a Christian means that you already accept that you're not good enough. You need a Savior. You feel valued. You're happy. You're at peace because you know that God himself, while you were turned from him, came and gave himself to restore your relationship with him, to free you of sin, to give you a clean slate, and once and for all. And you can see so clearly how it's just folly to think you need to add something to the cross. You need to do something to secure your forgiveness and make you right with God. How could you think you need to add something to that? And the error of this myth that is pervasive in our culture that you really just have to have your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Just do more good than bad and you'll get to heaven. You know, a 51-49% split is going to get you over the edge. Right? But this doesn't work for any other area in life. I mean, when I get a speeding ticket, you know, I'm not let off the hook because of all the times I didn't speed. That's not an argument that's going to hold up to the police officer. Well, officer, yes, I know I was going 85 today, but all last week I drove the speed limit. So, you know, what about all the times I didn't kill people? I mean, I only killed one person. Like, I'm, I'm 41 years old. That's 41 years of not killing. Like, so why isn't this good enough? Why can't I walk free? That's silly, right? God is all good. He's not just more good than evil. And that's what we're called to be, too. That's how we were created. We can't work our way out of our sin. Heaven is all good. 
It isn't just more good than bad. More good than bad is probably like right now, here among us. This, is, this would be heaven if that's it, right? And no offense, but, you know, I want something a little better, right? I want perfection. No suffering, no pain, no strife. Perfection. That's heaven. And if we went to heaven imperfect, we'd ruin it. It wouldn't be heaven anymore. There's no corner of heaven that has some little black mark in it that isn't just good enough, right? So here's, here's some crystal clear water to drink, Brian, and it just has a, just a spritz of urine in it. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, it's good to drink. It's just a dash. You won't even taste it, right? And urine's mostly water anyway, right? No! I mean, that's not, that's not good. That's not good water. I don't want to drink that water. Right? That's, heaven is perfect. It's crystal clear, pure water. No suffering, no pain, full joy, just immeasurable satisfaction and love and perfection of relationship with God. Why did Jesus have to die? He had to die because of who God is. He's good. He's just. All good. Fully just. But he's also the one who justifies us because he loves us. That's the kind of God that we serve. The kind of God who, while we were sinners, while we were still his enemies, with our arrogant, rebellious, sinful backs turned to him, he took upon himself all of our guilt and shame to die for us. That's the kind of God we serve, a God who is wholly good, wholly just, wholly loving, wholly sacrificing for the sake of us and for his creation. This is supreme love. And so as we respond today, I'll invite the the band up. I want us to think about this good news. This is good news. There is an answer. There's a solution to the brokenness. And it doesn't depend on us. And what do you do with good news? You don't do something with news. You respond to news, right? You respond to it. News is an announcement of something that has happened. It's not a prescription for what you need to do. So how do we respond? Let me suggest two ways we can respond today. A first and most obviously... Do you want to get right with God? Have you never, has that never made sense to you before, however long you've been in church? Have you never understood why Jesus had to die? That you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, just like everybody else in the world. You can be forgiven of your sins, restored to the relationship for which you were created. It's been done for you. Receive that today by faith. Grab the person you came with, a faith group leader. Receive Christ. Receive that gift. But if you've already made that confession and would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you can rejoice. Amen. I am free. I am forgiven. Thank you, God. And remember what your salvation cost this Friday. Now, I can't possibly give a better pep talk than Gigi did. 
But just like any good news, what do you do? You share it. You share good news. Now we go run around and tell people about a great restaurant we ate at. For crying out loud, we can't tell them about Jesus? Like way better than salmon, right? I mean, give me a break. Oh, five stars on Yelp. This place is awesome, right? What about Jesus? What about like everything you ever wanted and longed for in your whole life? All the freedom, shame, forgiveness you ever wanted. It's yours. Freely receive it. Tell people about that. Right? This Sunday kicks off this bright and blitz, and we're going to engage in announcing to the rest of the world this great news that we just talked about. And there is nothing more loving and kind that you could do for somebody than to share this with them. We're pardoned rebels. We're rescued so we could become rescuers. We're blind beggars telling other blind beggars where to find food and shelter. Let this stick with you as you share this week. Your words, your prayers, your actions... Your proclamation of the good news can affect somebody for eternity, forever. So pray about that, rejoice in that, receive that today as we respond to the good news of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you, God, for the good news, the great news, the best news, God, ever of your salvation that you won for us on the cross, Lord Jesus. Not because we deserved it, but because of who you are, a God of love, a God of justice, who desperately wants us back. So, Lord, help us to receive that today, to rejoice in that today, and to overflow with that and spread it to the millions of other people, Lord God, that you sent your Son for. Put people on our mind, Lord God. Engineer circumstances. Put us in positions and places where we can share your gospel, be it through giving, a kind word, a kind deed, a hug, Service, whatever it is, Father, help us share your love this week and every week, but especially this week as it's on people's minds. And Lord, bring a great harvest in. Welcome in hundreds more into the fold to be your children, adopted into your family, to be our brothers and sisters, Lord God, in Christ. Would you do that great work this week? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Let me stand up right now. So Brian has given an excellent picture of our atonement, what it took for you to have a relationship with your Creator God. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. And yet so often, I know many people, it's my experience, that have heard this message again and again, do not have full confidence that this is a reality in their lives. So there's a verse that's precious for you right now. 1 John chapter 5, the 13th verse. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know 
that you have eternal life. You're not guessing. You're not hoping. It's not maybe. I'm fully confident. So I'm going to give you a little privacy right now and ask you to close your eyes. We're going to worship in just a moment.